Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks for following along here. Don't forget, audio, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, video, always game day in Buffalo. Find some clips on Twitter. Go to my YouTube channel, uh, Coach Sal C on YouTube, I believe it is. But um, I I always forget. They created it years ago, and it's not Sal Sports, but I got to go check and make sure. But either way, we're doing this whole thing, and that was really cool to see him right there. He was grinding away on the tape. Yeah, the bandana when he walked into the, you know, the, got into the Zoom call. I was like, wow, this guy is business. I absolutely love that. You know, I've followed him along for years and years and years. Anybody who's in the business follows him in some capacity. So to talk to him was great, but also to just see how passionate he is about yeah. it. Like just grinding away at film or in a bandana sweating, just going like, I'm grinding right now, baby. Like, all right, well, let's go. Matt. One of the possibilities for the Bills, of course, is to trade pick number 27, whether that's up or down. And in fact, famously, the Bills did, they were involved in a trade for pick number 27 back in 2017. That's where the Chiefs were. They went up 17 spots. The Bills went from 10 down to 27. The Chiefs, of course, select Patrick Mahomes. The Bills select Tredavious White. They pick up another pick that wound up being, I think it was Deion Dawkins maybe in the second round. And um, that was the Matt Milano draft. I don't know. I can't remember the exact detail, but remember, they picked up an extra first rounder. We know that. But since then, even 2018, 2019, and last year, 2022, in those three drafts, pick number 27 has been traded four times, actually. I did the research wow. and I did the numbers on this, okay? And it's actually been traded up, it's been traded down, and it's been traded for a player. Now, the player one was interesting because the trade happened before the draft. It was the previous season. But it's worth noting, pick number 27 was traded for a wide receiver, Matt. It was the Raiders who traded Amari Cooper to the Cowboys for pick for their first rounder, and that wound up being pick number 27. Okay, interesting. What pick did the Bills have before they drafted Elam last year? Do you remember? They moved up a couple spots to get Elam. They 28, did they go from 28 to 25, maybe, or whatever it was? Yeah, somewhere in that range, but it was close. So, I mean, this has kind of been status quo now for the Bills, being at the end of the first round, and right. that really did start. The only year that it didn't happen was the year, well, I guess it didn't happen twice, because in the Josh Allen draft and the Tremaine Edmonds draft, a lot of different, there was the Cordy Glenn trade to get them farther up the draft board. They had the second first round pick. Then in the 2019 draft with the Ed Oliver pick that was you know a top 10 pick but since then you know they haven't had these big premier players in the first round but I think that adds to the intrigue some people say oh maybe it's not as interesting because they don't have as high of a first round pick I think it might be more interesting because there's so many different ways they can go I think when you have a high pick you kind of know which way they're going to go like the Ed Oliver draft it felt like it was going to be Ed Oliver 
or TJ Hawkinson. And mm-hmm. it was at Oliver. The Josh Allen draft, we didn't know which quarterback it was going to be, but we absolutely knew that their first pick off the board was going to be a quarterback. And then even last year, it just always kind of felt like it was going to be a corner. It never necessarily felt like it was going to be Elam because there was also McDuffie in the mix and it's like some of those other guys who were like more of the like tier 1B, not tier 1A. But it always felt like a corner. This year, they could legitimately draft like any position that isn't quarterback, and I wouldn't be crazy surprised. I think that's a testament to the roster that they built, right? I mean, they have a good roster, and it's want to call it luxury. I don't think so. I think that's what happens when you have a good roster. You don't have to go reach for something that because you think you need an immediate need. We can make arguments for that, but they could definitely go across the board. Let's go back to 2018. This is the year after the Bills were involved in that that trade. This is the year the Bills selected Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds in that first round. The New Orleans Saints. This is the pick was traded twice that year. The Saints traded number 27 and a fifth rounder, number 147, and their first round selection the following year to go all the way up 13 spots to select Marcus Davenport. Now, if you with the Green Bay Packers, if you look at the Jimmy Johnson value chart, which some do, some don't, whatever, the Saints gave up a ton to move up in that draft to go up 13 spots. So would that be something you'd be think the Bills could be interested in doing or would want them to do move up with 27 to get into the top 15. No, the only time last year, I remember I was really open to the idea of them moving up for Kyle Hamilton. Cause I just loved mm-hmm. the player. And I thought it would be a really good fit for this team with just the uncertainty at, at safety with Jordan Poyer's contract. Now, I think the only player I would be open to moving up with one JSN. I just really like his upside from Ohio. Ohio State, and I just think he would be so dynamic for the offense. And then Darnell Wright, after talking to Baldy, like if he is available after 20 or so, do you make the jump? Not anything that would cost you a first-round pick, though, and probably not even anything that would cost you a second because you only got six picks. You're already up against the salary cap. You need these guys to hit. You can't just be mortgaging two, three, four picks for one guy. You need to have production from your second pick, your third pick, even your fourth pick. So those are the only two guys I think I would be interested in to potentially move up, but I wouldn't do it if it cost you a first-round pick next year. I just think that the cost of trading up like that is so prohibitive. They had to give up their first the following year. By the way, they did wind up actually having a good year, so that pick the following year was only number 30 the following year, but it costs so much to move up. But what also happened that year, Matt, was after the Packers went down from 14 to 27, they then also traded that pick. Um, and let me just get the, the details here. The Packers then traded 70, 76 and 27, number 27, and a third rounder and a sixth rounder to go up to 18. So they gave a third and a sixth to move up nine spots. So when you look at the Johnson value chart, that was actually almost very, very similar. It was identical. A lot less capital to go up to 18 than it took the Saints to get up to 14. So I guess it just depends on who you're dealing with and how much it's going to cost you. Not really something I'm interested in necessarily, but at least that was not a King's ransom to move up. No, I think that's the smarter way to do it. But just in general for the Bills, I would be much more interested in a trade down, even if that takes okay. you out of the first round completely. Because what if you love Jack Campbell? What if in your mind you're drafting Jack Campbell, but you don't think the value meets the need at 27? And you say, I don't think the 27th pick is worth Jack Campbell, but maybe 35 is, maybe 40 is. And then you can add another third round pick, or you can add, who knows, maybe even another second round pick because a team really falls in love with somebody. It all depends on who's available. But I always think the team that trades back usually gets the better value. It all comes down to what's the player. But when you're drafting, 
you know, you're trading up from 27, even if you're getting to 15, it's not like you are getting a top three talent in the draft. You're getting a middle of the first round grade. Not like, you know, there's just a lot of variables here. It's weird because when the Saints did it and they gave up so much, you'd think that's for a quarterback, but they took a defensive end, Marcus Davenport. Usually you're going to give up that much. It's for a quarterback like like the Chiefs did for Patrick Mahomes when they went to him 27 to 10. But it's interesting you say you'd be more interested in trading down. So would I. Well, that happened last year. That just happened last year. Here's what they got, all right? And this actually, believe it or not, amazing. I did the math on this. The numbers on this trade are almost to the exact decimal point in the Jimmy Johnson value chart about how this went down. It's incredible, actually. The Buccaneers held pick number 27 last year. They traded down six spots, went to 33, which was the the second pick of the first round because there was a deal where there was a no pick. Anyway, they got number 33. They also got number 106 in the fourth round and 180 in the sixth round. So just to move down six spots, they got an extra fourth and an extra sixth. I like that. I think that's the kind of deal I would make. Yeah, I think that's the kind of deal that you would be more interested in, especially when you only have six draft picks yes. as it currently stands, just because you give yourself not only more players, but also more options down the road. Because it's not like once you acquire the pick, you can't make another move with the pick. And maybe there's a guy you absolutely love in the third round or the fourth round, and you want to move up a little bit. Now you have ammo to go do that. So it just gives you more options. And I know at some point you got to make the pick, but with the Bills roster, I think it'll be a bummer the night of for Bills fans. Like, I think if you're sitting there and you're watching the draft and you've been following along and they trade out of the first round, you might be bummed because you're like, oh, you know, I just committed all of this time and energy and the last couple months to researching who they like and who they shouldn't like in the first round. And then if you trade out, you go, oh, dang, like, you know, that kind of stinks. But I think there's a long-term gain there. Yeah, I, I prefer the trade down option. Um, and if you can get an extra fourth and six, like you said, it, it, you perfectly said it, which is they only have six picks. If you can add picks right there, that would help. And I think we're operating in a space here where maybe that didn't matter as much to the bills in years past. They're paying guys. They're no longer this group on rookie contracts. They're paying Josh, they're paying Stefan Diggs, they're paying Matt Milano, they're paying Tredavious White, they're paying Deion Dawkins. You know, they're paying their safeties. You have to find cheaper, younger labor to come in. And the way to do that is with these picks and having more of them. And in fact, Matt, Brandon Bean has been open about the third round comp pick next year. Like that matters yeah. to them because they need these guys. They need these picks. So I I'm okay with the trade down. Have you swayed at all on what you think the bills should do as we get closer and closer to the draft? They should do. Mm. Like, is there uh, anything that maybe you weren't sold on? Maybe there was a position or a player that you were like, yeah, I didn't love the idea, but now I've warmed more up to it. I think because to I me, it's, it's a linebacker. Middle linebacker for you? Yeah. I think for me, it's offensive line. I think I was kind of more in on the skill position train. And now I'm just like, you know what? There is something to be said about protecting your asset that's $258 million and just, you know, making sure you've got, because they really did get beat up at the end of the year, their offensive line, really on both lines. It's just like they got taken advantage. Remember how many. And then remember, this is the count. How many backup offensive linemen did the Bengals start in this game? Wasn't it three? Three, yes. Three. So defensively, couldn't generate any pressure. Offensively, couldn't stop the Bengals' defensive line. It was just a recipe for a disaster. All right, let's wrap with this. This podcast is titled, It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Well, let's talk a little bit more Buffalo because there was a great night recently downtown in Buffalo 
the Sabres finale for their home season. I know another disappointing season, if you want to call it that, with no playoffs, but there's a lot to look forward to. We know that. Craig Anderson's last game in the NHL. What an awesome night. What an awesome scene. That's the kind of thing we love to see in all sports, but especially right here in our backyard, Matt. I loved how your colleague at WGR, Jeremy White, explained it, that they are just now killing it with moments. All of these big-time moments, it feels like they live up to. Miller night, they have the crazy game-winning goal in overtime. Uh, RJ night last year, they beat the Predators. RJ's last call, they win their last home game of the year in overtime. Casey Middle said again, he's ended the home schedule back-to-back years in overtime with game-winning goals. You know, the season opener, they come back from behind, they win. Like It feels like in these moments, they're starting to really step up. They're on the verge of being a good team. They've still got a little bit of growth that they need to do, and I feel like there will probably be a couple players on this team this year that will individually regress a little bit just because the numbers were so impressive, but the collective product I think will be a lot better. I really, really do believe with average goaltending this year, the Sabres would be in the playoffs right now. And I think that if you get average goaltending next year and you make a couple tweaks here and there, you find a defensive partner for power. You maybe add another middle six winger. You have Savoy and Kulik somehow in your lineup. You're talking about a really, really talented team. As we get ready, I'm starting to look at the brackets for the NHL playoffs. There are very few teams that I think have assembled a better group of players and prospects than the Sabres right now. And I know we've said that for a long time, but now it's not all a projection. Now it's a little bit of a projection and a little bit of what they've already done in the NHL. And I think that could be something special. Who are you picking to get to the uh, Stanley Cup finals before the, because by the time people hear this, the playoffs will have started. Boston. I think the best team in the NHL. Yeah, I, think the gonna I think they're going to get there. I think they're going to win. I hope not. I think, I, I think I could, it could be a Boston versus Vegas Stanley cup. Oh, I know. I, I know. I, I mean, I, I hope not either, but I just think it would be just this I mean, the Oilers and noted bills fan Zach Hyman. Give me Connor McDavid. I'm totally fine with that. I'd love to see that. I agree with you, but how about Lindy, right, Matt? Um, yes. If Lindy, if Lindy and the Devils can get out and get to the cup, that would be awesome. I'm totally down with rooting for Lindy Ruff. I was going to say, I think the team that I would be most likely, the team that I would be rooting for and will be rooting for, I think is the Devils. And I also think, and I know this sounds crazy from somebody who grew up in Buffalo and lived through 05, 06, 06, 07. I don't hate the Carolina Hurricanes anymore. Like, besides the Devils, I would be totally fine if Carolina won. I like the team that they have there. I like the players they have there. I like Edmonton, too. I just don't trust Edmonton in the playoffs. With Matt Bove saying he doesn't mind the Carolina Hurricanes and they'd be okay with him them winning, we're going to leave you with that to chew on here <laughs> on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Hey, thanks to Brian Baldinger. That was really great. We really appreciate him joining us. So we have some really cool things planned right here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, including coming up soon, we are scheduled. We are going to talk to... The schedule maker, Mike North, the VP of broadcasting. Really looking forward to that one, Matt. Yeah, and I remember listening to the podcast last year when you interviewed him, and I was just glued to my car. I actually can specifically tell you where I was. I was listening to it in the Wegmans parking lot while my wife went inside to get groceries, and I was really enjoying the podcast. And I was like, you know what? Just If you want to go in, you can. And she's like, yeah, just you can stay out here. So I had the windows down. It was right at that time when the weather starts to get nice. So you want to be outside as much as possible. And the Bills have become must-see TV. So we're not breaking any news that the Bills are going to play multiple primetime games this year. Because guess what? They are. They're going to play a lot of them because they're really, really must-see TV. But it'll be cool to see his perspective about, you know, how they have become that and how they'll be showcased around the league. 
For Matt, I'm Sal. Thank you to Lucas Buckley for helping us put everything together here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. We'll talk to you next time. Enjoy the NFL Draft.